0: On my mind. I'm at your side. Hello and welcome back to Lost for Words, a podcast about grief and loss. My name is Aspen Drake and I am recording this episode the morning after attending my second death cafe. And the reason why this is important is because I have a tendency in life to procrastinate things. And the fact that I am recording this episode with thoughts and inspirations from an event that I had just attended, instead of like taking notes on that event and then spending a week going, hmm, I should record that episode, and then not doing it, and then finally making myself do it, well, let's just say this is an accomplishment, so yay me. Thank you for joining me with this today. I'm excited about this episode because not only was the death cafe that I went to last night very thought-provoking, but it's helped me realize that we need to address things in this podcast that are far less material, I think, than the things we have been talking about. Um, I think a lot of the stuff that I've been touching on is kind of surface level, um, kind of general, just emotional stuff, and I don't know, I feel like... We haven't talked about so much that's there in the spiritual and metaphysical um, realm. And thankfully, thanks to this Death Cafe and the wonderful woman who hosts it, I was able to kind of garner some information about that and some thoughts. And I was kind of able to meditate on that. So today, we are going to talk about some things revolving around those topics. So first and foremost, if you don't know what the Death Cafe is, they're wonderful. Look up if you have them going on in your area. Uh, You can listen to a few episodes back when I kind of explain what a death cafe is and talk about my first time attending one. But this particular death cafe was interesting because it was the same woman who hosted the last one. And I think she's just going to keep holding these every month, which I'm excited for, because the woman who's hosting these, uh, her name is Dr. Andrea Deerhart, which I think is just, first of all, a wonderful name. But second of all, she is the founder of a nonprofit called The Heart Way, and their kind of motto is embracing life and honoring death. When you go onto their website, they give a little description, and it says, The Heart Way provides an... En- integrative approach to the healing of body, mind, and spirit for those confronting a life-threatening illness, critical lifestyle change, or finding themselves caring for someone with a critical illness before, during, and after death. And I really like that because it's very holistic, much like the discussions we end up having at these death cafes. And getting to know uh, Andrea a little bit better. She has discussed, you know, her background, how she used to work in hospice and with the hospitals. But in the 90s, when they started moving away from the more spiritual and metaphysical concepts of death and just kind of focusing on the more clinical concepts, she was kind of disappointed by that. And so that's what kind of sparked this movement, this uh, non-profit that she started. She had mentioned that she actually studied myth and mythology, and so she went around to different cultures and studied how they, you know, tell stories about death, how they perceive it, how they explain it, how they react to it. And that just personally for me was exciting because I studied anthropology, and the fact that she picked such a beautifully specific thing to study... Um, it was so awesome, and I'm so excited to hear more of her stories. But what we're going to talk about today is something that came up last night. So last night, one of the topics that came up was fear, as it naturally does when talking about death, and both fear of dying or the fear of a loved one dying. And Dr. Deerhart shared with us that she actually wrote her thesis about this, And the three top reasons why people fear death, whether it's their own death or the death of a loved one, is first of all, they fear pain, emotional or physical. Second of all, they fear the unknown, not knowing what to expect, which I think is a huge one when talking about something like death. And third is the fear of leaving loved ones behind or being left behind by a loved one who's passing away. So having grown up with a lot of anxiety, I think it would be prevalent to start with talking about kind of growing, uh, working with the fear of the unknown and just the concept of, you know, what is death? What happens after death? What does it feel like to die? What do you experience? What do you experience afterwards? All these things that like, you know, some people have beliefs, some people have theories, but nobody knows for sure. And that, that unknown causes fear, it causes anxiety. And even beyond that, if you don't have the existential fear of death, you know, there's still that, you know, when is this loved one in my life going to die and how and how do I help them through it and how will I be there for them? So there's even anxiety around, you know, even if it's not death itself that worries you, kind of the social aspects surrounding death that kind of people are uncomfortable addressing. And so last night, we talked about how obviously there is no rule book for death. If only there was, I think that would make things a little bit easier. But no, there's not a set, you know, way that people are going to die. But the one thing that we can find comfort in is that, you know, we all die the same way. We were all born, and we're all going to die. We all die the same way. There's just varied ways of getting there. And I mean, that's true, and I just, I've never thought about it like that, so that kind of shot off some synapses when I heard it. So another unknown thing that kind of freaks us out is we don't really know how we'll cope without someone when they die. This one feels relevant to me because I remember growing up and my mom had cancer several times, and one of my biggest fears was just like, I'm not gonna make it. Like, if my mom dies, that's it. I'm, I'm done with, I'm not going to be the same person, I can't handle it, I can't handle my life without my mom, like, that unknown of, like, how I'm going to react emotionally just made me feel like that is the worst thing that could ever happen to me, and I know it's going to happen, and so I think I'm doing pretty well, all things considered, so that's a good testimonial for you guys, but just the... The anxiety leading up to it is just daunting. That's not something you want to have to imagine living without someone that is so important to you. Another thing that kind of plays into the unknown of death is like the how one will die. And the fear that we have within that is, will it be painful? Will I be sick? Will I be in an accident Um, or worrying about a loved one? Are they in pain right now? Are they suffering? Um, So pain and suffering is kind of the next topic that people are afraid of, and rightly so. But another thing that was mentioned last night that kind of just was more mind blowing than it should have been was someone mentioned, you know, humans go throughout life suffering, like not to be like dark, but people have physical pain, emotionally pain, metaphysical pain, spiritual pain. People experience different kinds of pain all throughout their life. So it's kind of strange and unfair to kind of expect that we wouldn't suffer in death as well. Not that everyone is going to, but why make aging and death such a scary thing? thought when it's just kind of another part of the life process. It's just something that we're naturally going to encounter in our lives. And it may be more or less painful than things that we've already encountered or things that we've already encountered will help us prepare for those things. When accompanying someone who is sick or dying, I think a big fear and just a big pain point is watching your loved one be in pain. And they could be in physical pain or metaphysical pain. They could be sick and achy and in pain from that. Or they could be facing the concept of death and facing, you know, the end of their life and kind of trying to reconcile that. And that's maybe causing them metaphysical pain. Um, There's just spiritual pain. There's energies. There's just so many things that we don't think about. Very often in general, just like we don't think about death very often in general, and it's just kind of a whole different ball game. But Dr. Dearheart, who has had the privilege to accompany a lot of people from life into death and help them make that transition, shared about just kind of how sacred that time and that space is. She shared about how scared she was of death growing up because she was never really allowed to be exposed to it, so she just assumed it was bad, the hospital was bad, it was scary, and she just kept building up that anxiety in her mind. And so when she decided to face that fear, and she uh, actually started volunteering for hospice, her first hospice patient died in her arms, and she said it was incredibly peaceful. And while not all deaths will be like that, all deaths are sacred, all deaths are a part of life, and you too can be that person to kind of be there to uh, help accompany someone through that. And that does sound like it's an incredible amount of pressure, so we're gonna talk about that. When we see someone in pain, whether it's they're afraid of something or they're in physical pain, you know, we wanna bring them answers, we wanna comfort them, we wanna help them. Um, but when we're going into a situation, whether it's a family member or a friend who is facing the end of their life, it's not our job to relieve that pain. I know we're used to thinking that. I know we want to come into a situation with guns blazing and being like, here's some medication. Here's some spiritual guidance. Here's a joke. Here's some advice. Look at you. You're feeling better already. Um, but death is just so huge. I don't think I could go up to someone and be like, you know what? Hey, here's some wise words. I hope you're feeling better. It's just not our job in our place. It's that person is on that part of their journey, and one day you'll be on that part of your journey too, and then it'll be your job to face that on your own and come to terms with it on your own. It's your job to be there for them and to bring love. You're not necessarily bringing answers but you're bringing them company, you're bringing them love, you're bringing them a listening ear, you're bringing them comfort in that sense. And last but not least, a big fear is leaving loved ones, whether, you know, you have children, much like my mom did. She was stubborn until her last breath. She did not want to leave this earth. She was sticking it out because she was like, I have four kids, I'm a single mom. And she always kind of lived her life like that. She always lived her life being like, I'm taking the lead. I have responsibilities. I can't let these kids down. And so that was hard to watch, to be honest, to be very raw with you guys. You know, she was there on her deathbed. Her body was still responding. She was alive her mind was not there she was not conscious but she was trying to be and that was incredibly hard to watch because I knew how much pain she was in and so when people at the cafe were talking about you know how sacred and peaceful it is when people die I was kind of like yeah right miss me with that because I had a terrible time with that situation. And, you know, I think back often, like, should I have left the room? Should we have like made our energies leave so she could have left? What were we doing wrong? And I learned, you know, through our discussions that, you know, when someone is trying to make that transition from this plane to the next We may interpret their body language as something that it's not. You know, their consciousness may be totally gone or they may be trying to transition. And then we read that as pain or discomfort. And maybe that's not actually what they're experiencing. So I took a little bit of solace in that. But going back to, just the, the the guilt when someone is in their body, when they are conscious of the fact that they're going to die and they're trying to come to terms with that. There is a lot of guilt or anxieties of leaving people. You don't want them to be sad. You don't want to have to miss them. You worry that you may not be able to see them again. And it's the same for when you're going to lose a loved one. You know, you are going to miss them. You're going to miss your relationship with them. And to this day, when I get stressed out about like, bills or adult stuff or like when we sold our house I remember I got like very bummed out and I was like wow I need mom right now like this is not okay I am not ready to be an adult take this away from me so first and foremost when it's your time to go it's your time to go there's no getting around it and you can go back to the five stages of grief episode and talk about how people kind of cope with that and coming to terms with the fact that you're dying. But if you're a family member to someone who is passing, just give them that reassurance. Give them that permission. Give them that knowledge that, you know what, we're going to be okay without you. You do not want to be at their deathbed when they're trying to leave and be like, oh no, don't go, don't leave us. Because if they're conscious, like you know, I'm sure they're already feeling those worries or concerns, or have been feeling those worries or concerns, so you're not helping. If they're not conscious, I mean, their energy, their spirit is still trying to leave, and if your energy is trying to hold them down, that's, that's hard. Obviously, you don't want the person to leave you, but in that moment, you're going to have to be brave, you're going to have to be selfless, you're going to have to say goodbye. I think that's the time, the When you love them, let them go phrase is very accurate. On the other end of that scenario, understandably, I can see how it would be incredibly frustrating and discouraging to start aging and to start seeing your body growing old and to have to consider, you know, having your family taking care of you or eventually leaving them. And that's because we kind of live in this ageless culture. We value youth. We value staying young and fit and capable and wrinkle-free, etc. And we don't really have that uh, culture, that perspective that a lot of cultures have where, you know, you keep the elderly in your home. We don't have a lot of multi-generational households. We send a lot of our elderly to care facilities. And I think that just kind of creates this culture of seeing the elderly and this the disabled kind of as burdensome. They're not something you'd want to take on in your personal life. They're something where you have to go out of your way and put them in a place where someone else can take care of them, which... It makes it sound like I'm talking down about those things. No, there are wonderful professionals who do that for a reason. I'm just saying kind of the, the, the culture that kind of surrounds that is something that someone could internalize. And so obviously when someone starts aging, you start having those that guilt. You start having that discouragement. You start seeing your body going um, there was a story told last night of an elderly woman whose daughter was taking care of her and she was just crying and she was like, what kind of mom am I to make my daughter take care of me? And Dr. Dearheart shared that, what she shared with that woman, which was that this was a wonderful opportunity for the mother to teach her daughter how to age and how to die, because that's not a lesson that's going to come out of nowhere. That's not something that's going to come easily. But through this experience, this is something that they can share together and something she can show her daughter in a more intimate way. So once her daughter gets older, she could take that more gracefully, with more experience, know what to expect a little bit more, and they can just share that. And I just thought that was really beautiful and not really something that I thought about because sometimes, to be honest, I guiltily feel relieved that I don't have to see my mom age like that. And some of it is just avoiding, you know, feeling that pain for her, feeling sad for her when I see her changing and becoming a different person. I don't want to have to deal with, you know, her frustration and her sadness and being immobilized and things like that. Um... And I don't think anyone necessarily looks forward to that, but I think we should try to cultivate more of a perspective towards that that's a little more open, a little more grateful. I mean, obviously easy for me to say, because once again, not something I'm really going to have to face, but this was a story that I thought was very special. Mm -hmm. And last but not least, a topic that was discussed that kind of flows into every one of these uh, bullet points, whether it's pain, um, the unknown, or leaving loved ones. Um, Something that affects, you know, the family and timing and just is a decision probably driven by pain is the uh, Dignity in Death Act that's been passed in a lot of states. And if you don't know what that is, essentially it is giving a terminal patient the right to choose um, taking a medication cocktail to end their life at a planned time in order to kind of avoid further suffering and just being able to give them the peace of mind to know I can plan the day that I'm dying I can prepare myself before do what I need to do say goodbye and I can know that I'll be gone and it won't be suffering That being said, there are some people who have made the plans, have applied for this, and end up passing away before they are given, they are granted acceptance into that program. And I can see how that would be incredibly frustrating. And on the other hand, there's a very small number of people, but a number of people nonetheless, who have gone through the whole process, who have taken the cocktail, and who lived through that and did not die until their body decided to die naturally. And that is horrific, to say the least, to think about having gone out of your way to plan that and to be able to make those amends and have that comfort with you and your family and then be put through probably more physical trauma than you were trying to avoid in the first place. And I know that's a very dark note, and I'm kind of surprised that we took it there on my show because that's not usually how we roll. But it's just something to kind of emphasize that life finds a way and death finds a way and tries we might to control those things. There are options for us to do so. And then sometimes nature takes over instead and so the more that we can spend time just meditating on these things um, trying to figure out what we want out of our death experience trying to figure out how to be a better um, hand holder a better accompaniment of others through their experience um, the more once again if we learned anything from this We can't fully prepare for death, but the more we can try to prepare and whether that be preparing with a plan, preparing spiritually or just mentally preparing, emotionally preparing, whatever it is, as you've probably noticed from this episode and other episodes, there's lots of things that go into this. There's every experience is varying. It's crazy. So once again, don't have a rule book for you to consult to prepare in the quote unquote right way, but there's just so much. There's a wealth of uplifting information, enlightening information, experiences, um, everywhere that you can draw from. And so I am super grateful to have the opportunity to share a few of those on here and to be able to go to events and to read things and to listen to things that share those things with me as well. And so I just want to thank you for taking this journey with me as well. If you guys have any questions, if you have suggestions, if you'd like to be featured, please feel free to email me at losspod.gmail.com. at gmail.com. We have our Loss for Words Facebook group up. Please don't forget to rate and to subscribe on iTunes. Leaving ratings on iTunes is what really gets the traffic flowing through, so that would be much appreciated. And, of course, this is also available on SoundCloud. I will include Dr. Andrea Dearheart's link to her nonprofit, The Heart Way, on the description for this episode. I encourage you to look into the materials there because I just, as a person, I can say she's wonderful. I've experienced it. But also, I think a lot of the materials that she has to offer, a lot of the thoughts and the things on that website are just wonderful and comforting and holistic and thought provoking. And I like that. I would like more of that. So please look into that. Um, And other than that, have a great week. Take care of yourself. Look out for others. And hopefully you'll be hearing from me soon. Thanks again for listening. Bye bye.